Lovely, man. Good morning, guys. It's good to see you. Um, so, first of all, uh, I don't know much about missions, uh, except for what God's shown me uh, what to do here in Kansas City. And, uh, and so, over the next day or two, I'm going to have the privilege of sharing the pulpit uh, with Dan Renault, my best friend, which is cool. And we're going to do, uh, we're going to share with you how God has used um, an open Bible approach to uh, evangelism through Bible study. Okay, the use of Bible study to reach uh, our neighborhoods, our community, our schools. And we're going to talk about uh, how we've done that, uh, how God's used us to do that, and how effective that's been. And hopefully in this time you'll glean something that you can take away, that you can use, either as a church planner, a missionary, a pastor, who's just seeking a vision, a way to use Bible study maybe in a more strategic way. And so before I get started, I, I want to begin by saying, you know, a few years ago, Sam uh, started talking about, here at MBT, started talking about this idea of an open Bible being the most strategic way of evangelizing, or at least a very effective way. And I think at first the church didn't really know what that meant. And uh, it took us some time before we realized uh, how to employ that way of thinking, because I think a lot of us have uh, maybe different views of what evangelism is. A lot of times we think about evangelism and we think, some of us think about street preaching, right? Or maybe we think about building relationships with coworkers at work and just organically over time sharing the gospel and having open doors. Um, and, and those are all very, there's very effective ways to, to do that. Uh, maybe your church has a door-to-door -door evangelism ministry. Uh, there's different ways of being proactive. Maybe, maybe you're, uh, you go into the, to, to the local schools and, and uh, uh, you get to know people. You get to know people of influence and you share the gospel with them. There's many different ways of sharing the gospel. There's no one way. God has given us a lot of liberty as it concerns this. But, but Sam pointed out to us just how effective the word of God can be uh, as it concerns sharing the gospel, opening the Bible and doing Bible study with people. And so we started to take that seriously. And in fact, Dan's going to share with you tomorrow, that's really how the Church in Lee Summit got planted, was just beginning to start a Bible study and inviting people to come and see who God is through his word. And over time, people began to buy in. Uh, people began to accept Jesus Christ. People who didn't have, maybe were saved, but didn't have a strong grasp of God's word began to buy in. And so I, I want to open by sharing a verse that we all know. Um, yeah, good. Uh, it's Hebrews 4.12, okay? And, uh, and uh, I think it's, it's a relevant verse to, to begin our morning with. So he Hebrews 4.12 says, For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and open unto the eyes of him with whom we have to do. Let's pray and we'll get started. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, uh, we love you and we believe that everyone in this room is here because we believe that your word is powerful and it does expose us when we open it up, uh, Lord, we do uh, get pierced by it. Uh, it divides us from our flesh. It shows us who we are in our sinful state, but it also shows us who we can be if we put our faith and our trust in you. Lord, uh, we want to take your word, and we want to go into all the world, and we want to proclaim it. And uh, Lord, you have given us uh, liberty as it concerns how to do that. And so, Lord, today I just pray that you would give me an opportunity to, to share one method, one approach uh, to taking the word of God and opening it with people, that they might come to a saving knowledge of who you are, that they might believe on the gospel. And, Lord, beyond that, they might grow in your faith and that there would be all kinds of res residual benefits to this particular approach of opening your book. Lord, make us wise. Uh, I mean, I, I think... Just honestly, Lord, I don't know what I'm doing. Uh, and I think, I think 20 or 30 years from now, there's a, there's a pretty strong chance I'm, I'm going to be able to say to you, I, I don't actually know what I'm doing. I'm putting a, a, my trust and my faith in you and you alone. And no method and no strategy is sufficient. 
Uh, Lord, I just, I just believe your word is, is quick and it's powerful and it's sharper than two, any two-edged sword. And for me and, and my people, we are going to open the book and we're going to trust that you'll use it to reach Kansas City, uh, to reach every college campus. Uh, Lord, that there would be no heart unturned. And so we're just trusting you simply. And I pray that, that everyone uh, in this room is doing that in their own way as well. We pray this in the, the name uh, of your son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Okay, so Discovery Bible Method. That's what we're talking about today. And, and the topic is how to make our Bible studies more mission-minded. Um, and so two and a half years ago, I joined the college and young adult ministry. Uh, Dan was getting ready to plant the church in Lee Summit, and, uh, and somehow I got uh, moved into this position. It was a, it was a work of God, and I'm thankful for it. Um, but, but coming into the work, uh, there was a lot of questions that I had. At that point, uh, the young people was about 65 college and young adults. And um, on a good Sunday, we might have 75. I remember when I first came in, we had 75, and Dan was like, man, isn't that awesome? That's so cool. And so we were running about 65, 75 people, and we were doing Bible study. And we were doing the Bible study that we had kind of been taught. In fact, in the early years, uh, SOT Bible study is the Bible study that I know Sam and a lot of people in this room grew up doing, came up uh, learning SOT. And, and if you're not familiar with it, it's basically a, 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 a type of, of Bible study that's, that's personal study. In other words, you go home and you study God's word, you, you do it expositorily, you break down a passage, and then you come back to the Bible study ready to present what God showed you. And it was, it's effective. It's a, particularly effective uh, as it concerns training people to grasp God's word and build habits of study. And when I came in to Kaya, I, I saw that God had used it to establish a, a, a fantastic group of leaders who understood God's word and were ready. They were prepared. There was a strong foundation. But I wanted to, uh, I, I, God had put a, a burden on my heart to see us be more effective in terms of evangelism on the campuses. And, and I was, Dan was planting the church and we, we were planting the church in Tampa and there was a lot of conversation about church planting, which to me was a fairly new conversation. And so I began thinking about what it meant to plant Bible studies the way that we plant churches. What if we approached Bible study the way we approach church planting? And so I, I, I started to think about that and developed a, kind of a perspective on how to do that. And so, so I had to ask, what, what is the value of a perspective on, on planting Bible studies? And let's just start this way. Let's, let's start by talking about what it means to plant Bible studies and what kind of residual benefits it might have. So the first thing is planning Bible studies extends your church's reach into smaller communities, neighborhoods, and workplaces. And so we want to go, I mean, for us, part of our vision is to infiltrate all of the neighborhoods in Kansas City, have young adult Bible studies, people between the ages of 18 and 30, uh, starting Bible studies in their homes, their apartments. Uh, we wanna go to every campus in the city. We wanna go to Penn Valley. We want to go to uh, Johnson County Community College, UMKC, the Kansas City Art Institute. This is a uh, university city. There are schools everywhere. And, and so we want to take advantage of that. And we believe, you know, just at UMKC alone, there's 16,000 people on that campus. And we want to take advantage of that. And we really do believe that we could plant a Bible study for every single day of the week, both morning and evening sessions, both girls and guys study. We could have... 40 Bible studies at UMKC, and we will have only just begun to touch uh, uh, the, the lives of the people there. And so we began thinking about this uh, idea of planting Bible studies as a means of taking and extending what our church is doing and bringing it into the campuses. In other words, taking our culture and our beliefs and, and uh, taking that culture and bringing it into places where people are lost and allowing it to germinate. We really believe in that. And we believe that that, that, that is um, a lot what church planning looks like, and we think that we can be effective planning Bible studies the same way. We believe that planning Bible studies makes owning the mission tangible and accountable. Okay, so what was I going to do with all these leaders in my ministry? 
I had to put them to work. And so right away we began dividing the ones that were capable out. And we allowed them to start planting as they were ready to plant these Bible studies, just a little at a time, starting just at our capacity. And so uh, we took several leaders, maybe two or three, and we planted a Bible study in Grandview. Uh, we planted a, a Bible study at UMKC. And so we, we started doing that. And what we were doing is we were allowing small groups of these young people to make tangible the mission. And we began talking about the campuses as a mission field. We changed the way that we talked, okay? Uh, we wanted them to, to see themselves as uh, somewhat autonomous. And we wanted them to see that, that God had given them the ability in faith to go and to do this work, that they didn't need me, that they were capable of going. They didn't need me, need me to, to take them by their hand or walk them through the process. We wanted to give them the liberty to go onto campus and think mission-mindedly uh, that they could create their own ways of, of, of outreach, their own activities that they could do to draw people in. And we wanted them to have enough autonomy uh, that they were safe so they could still come to me with questions. They had a little bit of space to fail. Uh, but at the end of the day, um, we wanted them to, to, to see the, the mission as tangible. We wanted them to own it. Another thing is that planning Bible study prepares growing leaders to become shepherds. And so we have, uh, obviously, here at MBT, we have all of these young people who have a heart to be pastors, to be missionaries, uh, to be leaders, to be leaders. And, and how do we begin to grow them? How do we do that? Well, we have to give them uh, ownership, and we have to put the work of the ministry in their hands. And, and that's really what Sam did. I remember uh, when we first planted the church, uh, early on in those early years, Chris and Sam were looking for someone to do middle school and high school ministry. And I was about 22, 23 years old, newly married. My life was ridiculously simple and selfish probably. And uh, Sam came to me and said, I want you to pray about doing middle school ministry. And I had absolutely no idea how to do that. Now to, to make a, a long story short, I, ended, I told him, I said, Sam, I'll, I'll do it for six months until you find someone that's more capable to do this. I will be the interim guy. I will, I will be glad to do that. Well, I ended up doing it for almost 10 years. And in fact, I quit, my, I quit my job as a graphic designer to go back to school to become a teacher because I had fallen in love with students and I had basically changed my entire life to revolve around this ministry. And, and so that was, a, that was totally a God thing. But it would, like if Sam would have looked at me and said, okay, well, what qualifications does he have to fill this role? If he would have done that, uh, I would have never had that opportunity and God would have never had that time and that space to mold me into what he wanted me to be. And so praise God that, that, that Sam had the insight to say, well, qualifications, I'm not concerned about that. Who has faith to do this? And I had just enough faith to do it, just enough. And so that's the way we want to see planning Bible studies. We want to take men and women of God who are uh, capable, even if it's just kind of capable, and they have the faith to do it. Really what I'm looking for is passionate young men and women who have the faith to go and to infiltrate schools in the name of Jesus Christ. No fear. That's what I'm looking for, is a fearless approach to sharing God's word. Planting Bible studies should also uh, prepare people to plant churches, okay? And, 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 I, and I do believe that. And I believe that because I saw how God used what Dan was doing in Lee Summit. The church in Lee Summit began as a Bible study, and I saw it, it evolve and change and grow into a church plant. And so really, one of the things that I, that I want to see happen, I desire to see happen, is that these young people would grow in their abilities, their shepherding abilities, and that they would really, as a team, learn and figure out what it looks like to go with someone to plant a church. You know, if Andrew Ong is going to go to Vietnam, there need to be people who are ready to go with him. If Mike Renault is going to go to Boston, there are, there are going to be people who are gritty and faith-filled enough and prepared enough and experienced enough to go with him so that when they go, they're not a drag on the ministry. They're not a drag on the work. They know their objectives, they're clear, and they're experienced enough to go and do it. And I, and I want to see that happen. And so when we're talking about planting Bible studies, those are some of the things that we're thinking about. So if, if, 
if, some of, if these are some of the loose objectives, then the next thing we need to ask is, what is a healthy Bible study and what does it look like? And so, so what is a Bible study and what is a small group? Now, if we were going to ask the, the, the regular Christian, the standard American Christian, what a Bible study was or what a small group was, we would get many, many different answers. Who, I mean, who knows all the things that we would hear, right? Things that would really disappoint us. Things like, well, our Bible study, we, we like to come together and we discuss our views uh, from passages of the scripture. We discuss our views. We like to look at it and we like to find inspiration. Now, the problem with that, I mean, many of us, I mean, you know, have you been in a Bible study like that? Everybody's in a circle. Everybody's enjoying one another's company. There's a real emphasis on fellowship. But everybody was just giving their opinions about the, the word of God. But no one was actually breaking it down and trying to figure out what the word of God says about itself so we could gain a doctrinal perspective. People weren't doing it. Anybody been in a Bible study like that? I've been in tons of Bible studies like that growing up when I was young. And the, the problem is that there's potential for opinion and conjecture in a Bible study like that. And so those types of Bible studies, we don't want to plant Bible studies like that. There's a specific type of Bible study that we want to plant. Some of us, um, you know, we've heard people when they talk about Bible studies, there's a, there's a focus on fellowship and gathering together. You know, when you hear people talk about community, they, they have community groups. There's churches in our city we hear about who have community groups, what they're really doing is saying, well, we don't want to emphasize the Bible. We want to emphasize having a good time and being there for each other. That's what they're saying. That's code a lot of times for that. A lot of times, not always. But that's oftentimes a code of de uh, for de-emphasizing God's word. And so that's, there's a potential there to neglect the study of scripture. And those are Bible studies that we don't want to start. We don't want to start Bibles like that, Bible studies like that. When we start Bible studies, we want it to be about studying the Bible. Sometimes people will talk about their small groups or their Bible studies, and they'll, they'll say, well, we got together, and we're reading uh, the latest John Piper book. And we're reading that, and we're coming back together, and they have a book club is what they have. They have a book club, a spiritual book club. And, and, and the problem with that is not that, that there's not authors that are legitimate. I mean, I would love to have a small group uh, that, um, you know, uh, a book club that read Bo Green's book together. That would be a lot of fun. But that's not what a Bible study is. So there's potential there to neglect the authority of God's word. And that's a problem. And we don't want to plant Bible studies like that. That's not what we're doing and that's not our objective. Sometimes people will get together and they will actually study and prepare the way we used to do with SOT. And again, there's not anything really wrong with that. But here's the deal. When we do personal Bible study and we go away and we study and we come back together, that's great for sharpening. But there's a potential in that to neglect the lost. There's a potential in that approach to neglect the lost. How is it that a lost person can come to a Bible study like that and feel like they have any part at all? Now, you might love on them. Your wife maybe, uh, uh, maybe made some brownies. Brownies are a crucial, by the way, brownies are a crucial part of every Bible study. <laughs> every Bible study, Sam taught me this, right? What is it that they did in Acts chapter 2? They had food. Food, when people come into your house, especially the lost, there should be food ready for them. I know one of the, uh, it was Andrew Ong was telling me that there was a, a period of time where he didn't really have time, this was probably before he married Rachel, to, to prepare food. And so what he would do is he'd swing through Taco Bell and buy like 25 burritos and take them to Bible study because he knew that college-age people love burritos from Taco Bell. He knew that. All right? I still love burritos from Taco Bell, but they do things to me that I regret. So... So I avoid Taco Bell. Dan, there was a time where Dan and I would go to Taco Bell at least once a week. And uh, over time, I've realized that that's just not wise. But, so here my, here's, here's my point. Here's my point. Man, you could do personal Bible study and bring that back together. And you could sit around and you can listen to one, one another preach for five to ten minutes. And everybody could beat their chest and be like, man, that's awesome. And you know what? That's so good. 
And I don't wanna take that away from anybody's Bible study, but I believe there's a way of giving men and women opportunities to study the Bible and present it without, without uh, losing anything in terms of evangelism. And I'll get into that more as we continue. So what do we want Bible studies to be? What do we want them to be? Okay, so this is important. What does a perfect Bible study look like? Well, first of all, I would like to believe that it would be Bible-centered. That seems appropriate, doesn't it? It's obvious to us, to, to people of our ilk, that a Bible study must be centered on God's word. We want all of our Bible studies to have a culture that puts the authority of God's word at the forefront of everything that they do, every decision that, that they make. We want that and desire that. When they come together, the Bible has to be open. So they need to be Bible-centered. They need to be prayer-centered. We talk about this a lot in our, in our Bible studies is incorporating prayer, okay? So you have, you have both lost people and saved people in your Bible study. Man, it's so powerful. I remember there's a guy named Micah Flint. He runs InMed now, which is a missions organization. And I remember that James Fife and I used to minister to this guy. And I remember on a Sunday morning, he had come to Checkpoint, which was the college and young adult ministry back in the day at, at KCBT. And he had come, and I went up to him. I didn't really know him that well yet, but I was like, brother, hey, will you tell me what it is that you need prayer about in your life? He wasn't saved at this point. And he tells me, even today, he tells me, man, when you asked me what I needed prayer about, I knew that God was with you. And it made me want to believe. And so when lost people come into our Bible studies, it's important that we put prayer as a priority. It's got to be a part of what we're doing. And it invites people into our spiritual lives. This is what saved people do. They call upon the maker of the world. Uh, when, when I used to have a Bible study at my house for about six years, and Marcus Fisk used to come to my Bible study, and, and we did Bible study, and one time he came and he said, hey, I've got a prayer request. I've got an unsaved cousin. He doesn't know the Lord. And I'm really afraid that his work and his job and his money are getting in the way of him hearing the gospel. So we prayed that he would lose his job. Now listen to me. What was it, Marcus? Weeks later? Two or three weeks? Two or three weeks later, Taylor Lyon lost his job. Okay? Some of you know Taylor. Taylor got saved about a month later, accepted Jesus Christ, and now he's an active and important part of our FOI ministry. Okay, so praise God, prayer works, and we want people to see that in the context of our Bible studies. We want, we want Bible studies to be leadership development. We already talked about that a little bit. It's got to be a training ground for leaders. Our leaders need to have some autonomy. They need to be ready and prepared to facilitate. They need to step in it from time to time. They need to mess up, and they need to have opportunities to do that and to come to you and to say, hey, I messed up. What should I do? How do I fix this? That's how they grow. That's how I grew. That's how you grew. That's how they need to grow. Bible studies should also be accountability. They should be a space and a place where people can be accountable to the things that they're learning. We need to challenge each other. When someone says, hey, God's showing me this, and I need the faith to act on it, can we pray about that? There needs to be a group of people who are ready and prepared a month or two months or three months later to say, hey, brother, how, how is that working out in your life? Are you trusting the Lord for that? Do you really believe that God's going to do that? Do you have the faith to see God move in your life? That thing that you were talking about, are you still talking about that? Are you still praying about that? That's what accountability is. It's saying, hey, what you saw in the word of God, I see that too. And we need to hold it up to our lives as a looking glass. And our character and our decision making and our vision should be sourced in what we learn from that book. Are you ready to do that? Bible study has to be that. Now, lastly, and the thing that we're really talking about today is that Bible study needs to be evangelical. It needs to be an invitation to the lost to engage truth and love. Truth in love and truth and love. We need to be ready to love them, but we need to be prepared to engage them with truth. So that leads us to talking about what is the Discovery Bible Method? What is the Discovery Bible Method? It's an expository study method. Just like the way we prepare for our messages, pastors, the exact same process that we take when we sit down at home or in our office or at the coffee shop to prepare our messages, okay, the same way we used to do SOT at home in our personal time, we take that and we bring it into the Bible study and we do it collectively together. 
That's what uh, Discovery Bible Method is. And, and here, so here's the strengths. Let's talk about the strengths of Discovery Bible Method first. Discovery Bible Method puts an emphasis on learning Bible exposition. In other words, we do, just like you would do when you study, you start and you read through the chapter or you read through the passage. You look for the context. You look for the themes. You look for the broader context. How does this passage or how does this chapter fit within the context of the book? What's the historical context? How does it fit within the New Testament? Is it a general epistle? Is it a Pauline epistle? Is this prophetic? Is this a prophetic writing? And so you look and you, look and you study it and you understand it and then you, and you study it together. It's an expository approach to Bible study. Discovery Bible Method is also an, an encouragement that Scripture can be easily understood. That's the discovery part. The, you guys know that the Bible can be easily understood. As complex as it is, it's as simple as can be. It can be studied your whole entire life, and you cannot plumb its depths. But at the same time, a child, my six-year-old son, can understand the Bible. He can understand it. Last night, uh, Shepard, my son, we got in the car and we left here. He was tired, half asleep. And I said, buddy, what did you learn tonight at Mission Focus? First of all, I'll say this. He was crying coming in. He's like, what are we doing at church <laughs> at night? This is ridiculous. <laughs> so on the, on the sidewalk all the way down here, I had to explain to him, well, you know, Jesus saved your soul. <laughs> and Jesus likes church. And you ought to like church as well. So let's see how this goes. Let's just trust the Lord. So when we're leaving, he's, ha he's half asleep, and we're in the car, and we're getting ready to go. And I say, buddy, what did you learn tonight? And I'll be darned, this kid told me the entire four chapters of Jonah. From beginning to end, he told me every bit of the story, every nuance. It was amazing. The word of God is simple. And when people come into our Bible studies, they need to know that they can understand it. Whether they're lost or saved, whether they're young or old in their faith, they need to come and they need to sit down with us and they need to know that the Bible is easy to understand and it's something worth believing in. That's the discovery part. We make that accessible to them. Discovery Bible method uh, should be a, a development of good, uh, uh, good study principles and habits. Okay, so let me explain it this way. In short, all of our Bible study leaders uh, have been through D2. They've got experienced discipling. Okay, they've got a little bit of experience, and they know Bible study principles. They learn that in D2. They know those habits. They know those disciplines. They know those approaches to the Word of God. They have a perspective on God's Word. And so when they facilitate, and that is an important word I'm going to come back to, when they facilitate Bible study, what they're doing is they're making sure that people are guided towards an understanding of how to break down the words of God. They, they use word like, words like, uh, let's find the context of this passage. Hey, let's do a, this word is difficult. Let's together do a word study here. Let's find where other places where this word is used. Hey, guys, where are some other places in Scripture where something similar to this happens. And so what you've got is you've got saved and lost people working together to go through the Bible in a safe setting, a group of 10 or 12 people with the Bible open, and you've got lost people who are hearing things like principle of first mention. And they're like, well, what's that about? And you're showing them, and everybody's learning, both um, young in their faith and old in their faith. They're learning together, and they're practicing basic Bible study principles. Isn't that amazing? That's an amazing thing. Here's another thing that Discovery Bible Method should be. It should be accountability. And you know what? I want every one of my Bible study leaders to be counselors. Now, let me explain to you why. <laughs> I have a full-time job. I teach high school all day long. And in the evenings, I pastor. And I need my Bible study leaders to have the freedom and the ability and the, and the wherewithal to counsel so that I don't. I can't, I can't be stretched that thin. And I need the Lord to use them to counsel. And so those small group settings are great uh, uh, space 
for people to build relationships with a Bible study leader so that they have someone that they can go to. So, so this, every Bible study should be this way. There should be a leader. And there should be someone who functions as the shepherd, someone that everyone knows that they can go to if they need help, right? And Discovery Bible Method should facilitate that. And then lastly, it should be small group evangelism. Now, there are potential weaknesses to the Discovery Bible Method, okay? It isn't personal study. And so, in some regards, people think that maybe you can't go as deep. And and I want to say that that's just not true. I think if you handle Discovery Bible Method uh, the right way, you can go as deep as you do when you go home and study and bring it back. Um, And here's here's the other potential weakness, is that if your Bible studies aren't ready to lead, Bible study leaders aren't ready to lead, they can really screw up that time. So it, it does have to be people that are willing to go and study and prepare so that when they come back together, uh, they're ready to roll. Because a Bible study leader could really jack up the Bible study. If they don't know the passage very well, they can't facilitate very well. So those are, those are, that's what Discovery Bible Method now is. Now we're going to talk about it a little bit more, and I'm going to break down the way that it works. It's there in your handout. But first, I want to take a moment to invite uh, a couple people up to give testimony of how this has worked. And let me start this way. So two and a half years ago, we had, we had 65 to 70 people in Kaya. Okay? Uh, two and a half years later, we're at 150 people. We went from about seven Bible studies to uh, uh, approximately 17 or 18 Bible studies. Okay, and so and I just want you to know, I'm not satisfied with 17 or 18 Bible studies. I want about 100 Bible studies. Why? Why not? Why not? Right? Don't laugh at that. You're, you're the ones that are, aren't supposed to be laughing at that. Right? I should be getting amens from over here. Yeah, there we go. There's no reason that this can't continue to grow. There's no reason that we can't go and reach every single part of this city. And while we're doing that, go from strength to strength and peel people off to go and join someone else in a work somewhere else. We're not building leaders to go and plant churches. That's what I want to see happen. And we're beginning to see that happen. And God's growing our ministry. So I want to invite Miles up and, and Brooke Sidebottom up. And I want them to share with you just briefly how this shift in Bible study philosophy has benefited their Bible studies. Hello, my name is Miles. Uh, I have a a Bible study that meets at UMKC, and it's uh, a young men's Bible study. Uh, We've got about 10 guys in it uh, right now, and our goal, our heart is to reach men at UMKC. Uh, Like Brandon said, uh, there's no reason that there shouldn't be a Bible study every day of the week on campus. Uh, And if that was happening, then we'd only be scratching the surface. Um, So I actually came out of like the one central Bible study that all of our Bible studies came out of, which is Dan Renaud's Bible study. And at the time, there was three Bible studies uh, in our ministry. It was one men's Bible study, one women's Bible study, and one international student Bible study. And out of that, um, like you said, we uh, did SOT model Bible study, and I got spurred on. I realized that these guys knew the Bible in a way that I had never thought the Bible could be that deep. And it encouraged me to study to catch up. Like, I I needed to figure out what these guys knew and understood about the Bible. Um, But what's really, really amazing about Discovery Bible Method is that for a lost person coming in, instead of them being offended, like, whoa, they know so much, I don't even begin to understand. And then they just kind of sit in the corner quietly and then leave and, like, "I I don't fit in. Uh, Discovery Bible Method engages them, and if it's done correctly, uh, then there's dialogue taking place. What do you see in the scripture here? What's the Bible clearly saying? What do you think about that? Uh, Where do you see Jesus in this passage? Where do you see God in this passage, right? Asking really simple questions to to realize profound truths. Uh, And through that, it's something that we can invite people to uh, on campus, uh, would meet on campus, and to expose the scriptures for for what's there. And it's been really, really encouraging for me, for for my men. Uh, It's a way for us to develop leaders in Bible study. Uh, It's been really, really exciting. Uh, Just recently, our Bible study actually split into two. Uh, so now instead of having, you know, one Bible study with 20 guys, which doesn't make any sense because 
there's no intimacy there. Uh, we can cover two days of the week and have more opportunities for a lost person to get plugged in. So, you know, if they're not available on Monday night to come with me, then it's cool. And my buddy Seth has one on Wednesday night. Uh, I'd love to get you connected to him. And it's a strategic way for us to own the ministry, uh, to, to see UMKC as a mission field, and to, to see the loss be saved, you know? Uh, it's, it's encouraging, it's exciting, and we're going to keep beating this drum. So, yeah. <clears throat> So my background is very similar to Miles's. I was part of Lucy's Bible study when I first came to Midtown. And uh, since then, it's just been awesome to see God use his word to grow leaders that now have Bible studies. And I'm just going to iterate everything that Brandon just said. But uh, my group right now is very young. We also just went through a split. And so I've got one girl who just finished class of discipleship, three girls who are in discipleship one, and actually the person that I'm trusting the Lord to become a Bible study leader is, has only done the first semester of D2. So I'm the only person in my Bible study that has been through the how to study the Bible portion of D2. So when we meet, it's been awesome just to see these young girls being encouraged, like Brandon was saying, that they can know the Bible, that they can study it, and they can understand the scripture for themselves. And so we... Um, you know, we've had girls come who uh, have been a part of those Bible studies where it's just, you know, well, what do you think about the passage? And they come and we talk about cross-references and we talk about 1 Corinthians 2 and how we can know the mind of Christ if we, you know, allow the Holy Spirit to lead us into comparing spiritual things with spiritual. And it's like mind-blowing to them, like these young college students that, that don't know if they can know truth and they come here and they see, oh my, the Bible actually explains itself and I don't have to figure out what I think about it because that's always going to be different than what my friend thinks about it. And so we're still not coming to the truth, but if we're looking at comparing scripture with scripture, then we can see what the Bible actually says and what God has for my life. And so that's just been huge and encouraging. And, um, and in that, allowing... Uh, the girls to see, man, we can invite anybody to this, even if they don't know the Lord. Um, so we've had lots of, you know, within that core group of people who are plugged in here, we also have ladies who go to a different church who maybe they're not being fed there. Um, or we have ladies that don't know the Lord that have visited and, um, you know, they just get to see not only the word of God, but also the love of the people in the group. So Discovery Bible Method has been uh, just awesome and has been super encouraging, especially to young believers and to people who don't know the Lord that can come and partake and not be uh, terrified because everybody has a five-point sermon that all starts with the same letter, something like that. Uh, the beauty of, of, of all of that is that, that there are people in their Bible studies who are coming to know Christ. Amen. There are people that are coming to their Bible studies from, from Catholic backgrounds who've never handled God's word uh, that, 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 again, aren't confident in their ability to, to understand God's word. And they're seeing other young women, 18, 19, 20, 22 years old, who, who have confidence in what they're reading. And that's a game changer. And when people get a taste of that, they want more. And here's the thing. People might go to Bible study, our Bible studies, for months upon months before they even get invited to church. Our Bible studies, are lead, our leaders are sensitive to that, and they recognize that, you know what, for now, I just want to make sure that they're coming consistently to Bible study. Let them get a taste. It's like crack cocaine, right? And they, they just get a little taste of it. And over time, right, they're moving right up those steps, Right? three, four, five, six, seven, until they get to 10 and they know Jesus Christ for themselves. I mean, that's how it works. That's how the Bible works. And, um, and so let's talk just for a little bit about uh, how to do discovery method. Is everybody still with me? Yeah. yeah? I haven't bored you yet. Okay. So discovery Bible method, how to do it. How can you do it? How can your church members begin to do it? 
It's not hard, okay? It's not hard. I would highly suggest that the people that lead your Bible studies have knowledge of how to study the Bible. So they've been through D2. They've been through how to study the Bible courses. And you, and you, and you believe that they have the capacity to do that. I, I think that your Bible study leaders should have a capacity to counsel. I want all of my Bible study leaders to have taken the introductory class at LFBI of biblical counseling. I want all of them to have done that. Okay? I, I need them to have those basic skills uh, because they're going to need them. They're going to need them. And so when they go into, say they've got a Bible study next Monday, and it's, and it's Monday of the previ- previous week. They're preparing. They have a week to prepare. There's some things that they need to do. There's some things that they need to do to be prepared. So first of all, they need to read the passage. Okay, they need to read the passage. They need to be familiar with it. Okay, and they, they need to study the passage out. And they need to know it for themselves. And so once they've done that, then what they need to do is they need to dissect it for the group with the group in mind. And we, we refer to this as chunking the passage, mainly because chunk is a disgusting word and no one will ever forget it. <laughs> it is, it's a disgusting word. Uh, but we chunk the passage, meaning we break the passage down. The Bible study leader takes some time to break the passage down into thoughts. Okay, thoughts that build on each other, thoughts that are linear, okay? And, and they, they need to, to under, have an understanding of the passage enough so that they can do that. So here's an example. If you look down, um, I think it's in that, that section on facilitator preparation in your handout. There's an example of what that might look like. Highlighted passages, areas of scripture that are separated from one another, and that are thematically recognized. So the, the Bible study leader should recognize that there's a, an idea here, and they should be able to make notes about that. This is important here. I need to know that when we step into Bible study. Okay? And they need to have things chunked out. Maybe it's a whole chapter that they're studying. Maybe it's a portion of a chapter. They get to make those decisions. I give them that freedom. Then they, they need to study it. Now, this is super important because everybody's... It, it, People in the Bible study are obviously going to have questions that require a teacher. There are going to be moments in the conversations in the Bible study where someone's going to have a serious question that, that only the, the leader of the Bible study can answer. Now, here's the thing about a good Bible study leader. They're going to know the answer, and they're going to teach the group how to find the answer for themselves. Discovery. Eh? Yeah? Discovery. They're going to show them where they can go to find the answers. They're going to show them the passages to read. And they're going to re-ask the question until the group comes to an answer that's biblical. And if it's unbiblical, then they'll, ah, ah, ah. they'll bring it back in, they'll get it within the boundaries, and they'll start again. And they'll, they'll ask a better question, a more driving question. This is why they have to be prepared. They have to know the answers. They have to know what the Bible says. They have to be prepared to give an answer. But their job as the facilitator is to provoke people towards God's word. Because God's word ultimately has the answer. And they need to be prayed up. They need to be ready to do that. That's crucial. They need the Holy Spirit to lead their times together. And so they need to be prayed up. That's how the facilitator, the leader of the Bible study prepares. Okay? So, so let's get into it. So the Monday comes. And they get together with their Bible study. What does that look like? Okay, so this is all open to change. You can change this. This is not, this is what we do. That's all I'm telling you. This is what we do. This is what we've found to work. When a Bible study comes together, they pray, okay? They do all that, that kind of stuff. And then they, as they start to study, everybody in the group silently reads the passage together. So there's a moment of quiet, okay? This is the most awkward moment. But it's good because it gives people an opportunity to take in what God's word says for themselves. Okay? So even a lost person will sit there, you give them a Bible, they sit there, they read through the passage, everybody does it silently, and then the group comes back together and they read it together, everybody taking a verse. And you go around the group and everybody reads it. So you've read it twice before you ever get into it. That's how you begin. Then the next thing you do is the Bible study leader asks, what is the central idea of the passage? All right, and so what they do is they introduce the themes. What are the themes that you see here? Now, here's the good thing about a Bible study leader who knows what they're doing. They're gonna be teaching. They're gonna have a teacher's mind 
uh, as going into it. And they're going to be ready to help people discover. And so what they say is, hey, I want, you, I want you to look through this passage, and I want you to find thematic things that are happening here, but I need you to support that with verses. I need, you, I need you to support. Don't just say what you think it says. Use God's word to support what you're saying. And then people do that. And they begin to do that. Just like, almost like what we would do when we were at home studying. What is this passage saying? What's the central idea that's happening here? And what you're doing is you're encouraging people to participate immediately, right away. You're inviting them to participate. And as the Bible study progresses, the facilitator should get better and better at asking people who are on the periphery of the Bible study, the ones that, that maybe are lost or, or it's new to them or it's uncomfortable. They find ways, very gentle ways, to draw them into the conversation. Hey, what do you think about what we just read? What did you think about that? You know, and, and ask them in just small, probing ways to participate. Um, and that's, that's super, that's very, very crucial to what we're doing. Um, when, when beginning a new book, uh, the facilitator might take some time to, to introduce with the time of teaching. Uh, they might uh, talk about the context of the passage each time they come together. They might talk about the context. Or what they might do is they might ask a growing leader in their Bible study to do it for them. Hey, next week, I want you to come together. And when we come together, I want you to be prepared to give about two minutes recap on what the context of this passage is. What's going on in Acts chapter 3? What's really going on? Can you explain that to us? Will you be ready to do that? And then it does put some ownership on people to go away and study on their own and then come back. The next thing that you do is you begin to dissect the passage. And you, this is where the chunking part comes in. All right? So you use the, the chunks of passage to probe the conversation. So you read it together again, and then you begin to talk about it. This is where you begin asking questions like, what does this word mean? Let's find out what this words mean. Okay, there'll be, like every Bible study should have a concordance on the table, or in the case of Kaya, on their phones, right? And they'll go, and they'll go, and they'll start, they'll start studying. They'll use their concordance. They'll use cross-references. And the Bible study leader will use a portion of, of the scripture, that chunked passage, and they'll start a conversation about it. And then that conversation will lead into the next chunked passage. And then the next one, and the next one. And then you work your way through the entire passage that way. Okay, And so the facilitator must be ready to ask questions that provoke people to research. Okay, They need to have those types of questions ready and prepared in advance. They need to be thinking about, okay, what kind of, what kind of good questions? Listen, let me say this to you real quick. And I want to say this to the, people who, to the pastors who teach in LFBI. Okay? I'm a teacher, so I have a little bit of authority. And I'll use this as an opportunity to say this. Why would you ever, un, ever ask questions with the intention of tripping someone up? Okay, I love you, but some of these quizzes are something else, guys. Okay, now I get it. You want people, you want people to have to really think about it, okay? But don't trip people up. Don't have two good answers that are both, but one's a better answer. We're not taking the ACT, Do you want them to learn this stuff or not? You want them to learn. So what you do is you ask questions that are, are leading questions, that lead them into thoughtful answers, that lead them to God's word. They don't trip them up along the way. So what you do is before you come into a setting, you're ready with questions that are probing, provoking, good, simple, leading questions because the, the end goal is discovery. You want them to walk away with their faces shining. Even the lost people. Well, that was something else. Never been to anything like that before. You want them to leave with their faces shining, not ashamed. So you need to come prepared with, with questions that lead people to the right answers. And that requires work on your part. So you dissect the passage, you ask the right questions, you allow people to use different tools, concordance, treasury of scripture knowledge, and you use this as a platform for modeling Bible study principles. That's what you're doing. You encourage note-taking. Why? Because you're going to randomly ask a guy at some point or a gal at some point to come back with an outline and a pre prepared to summarize. Hey, what did we learn last week? Blade, what did we learn last week? 
Okay? And then he's forced to go back to his notes and remind himself of what God showed him. That's a good thing. So people should be taking notes. And then lastly, and I think this is the most important part, when you've worked through the passage, end by asking, what are you personally going to take away from this passage? What has God shown you? This is where it becomes inspirational and personal. And even lost people can participate in this. And this is where, listen guys, especially when it concerns the lost people or the young believers, there is no wrong answer here. How do you have a wrong answer to what did God show you? You know what I mean? Well, God showed me, they could say something really ridiculous, like I need to be praying more for Aunt Maud's bunions. This is an example that Sam always gives. <laughs> praying for someone's bunions. They're really bothering her. And uh, I just am really convicted after studying Acts chapter 3 that I need to pray more for, <laughs> pray for more for Aunt Maud's bunions. Okay, praise God, brother. I'm so glad that you learned that. And we're going to pray together for that. Like, how could you have a wrong answer? You know, and then there'll be other people who are like, guys, I just read that passage and, I, and God told me that I'm supposed to go on the mission field. I'm supposed to go. And so you have all level of people responding, but, but, but you want them to say, man, I learned this today in this passage. God rocked my world in this way. And then listen, this is the thing. Then you pray about it together. You activate it. You don't leave it lying there. You don't, you don't let them get in their car and drive away having not called upon the creator of the world to do something about it. Help me do something about this, God. And uh, this is the thing that I want to say to you. And, this, and I'll say this in closing. There are many ways of evangelizing lost. I don't really, I don't really personally care what you do as a church or as a person. I don't, as long as you share the gospel and you're teaching people and you're not giving up on people, and you're loving people, and, and as, as my, my brother Dan would say, that people aren't a transaction, but you really love them. It's not a transactionary matter, right? This isn't, this isn't an opportunity for you to do your duty. You actually love people, and you're, you're ready and willing to pour your life into them to see them saved. If that's your approach to evangelism, you're going to do just fine. You're going to do just fine. What I'm sharing with you and what Dan's going to share with you are just a, a very simple biblical models for how to invite people in to have conversations about the Bible that aren't intimidating, that provide insight and help to both the, the most mature believer in the group is going to get something from this. And they're going to learn. And they're going to have a little message. When they're done, they'll have a message in front of them. And then you'll have the lost people who are going to walk away and they're going to say to themselves, Wow, that was, that was something different than what I've ever experienced. And I'm, I'm interested in more. I'm coming back. And I'm telling you right now, there are people in this room right now, young people in this room right now at this missions conference, who came to Jesus Christ, a saving faith in Jesus Christ, just this way. And I'm really thankful that God's using at least our ministry to do that. And if God can use your ministry to do the same, maybe it's not a young adult ministry. Maybe it's an adult fellowship. And you want to figure out a way to get people to bring their coworkers to a Bible study without it being intimidating or scary. I would suggest that this is a good way to do it. I love you and I'm thankful uh, and, uh, and I'll pray and then I'll let Sam conduct whatever he wants to do next. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for this time and I pray it was useful.